0: Well, we're going to dive back into a passage that we've been looking at uh, for weeks and weeks now. It's from Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, we're going to start just before uh, that passage in chapter 6, uh, In I don't have to tell you, chapter 5 comes before chapter 6, hopefully. Um, that's the quality teaching that you get here. Uh, so chapter 5, i uh, going to start at verse 11. If you want to grab a Bible, there's plenty available on the shelves at the back. If you've got one with you, you might like to open it, or if you've got one on your phone or your tablet, you might like to turn it on and find it. Hebrews chapter 5 and start reading at verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Then these words, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teaching about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. May God add his blessing to the reading of his words today. I don't know if you saw this story in the paper this morning. It was about uh, a family, a husband and a wife, and the wife was about to return to work, having having been off for a long time. Uh, And uh, she was quite nervous about one thing specifically. Which way have I got to go? There you go. Great. Uh, She was quite nervous. There you go, fantastic. Actually, they probably don't want to see me anyway. Uh, She was quite nervous about school dinners because that was going to be her her husband's responsibility. Uh, And so she went to quite extreme lengths uh, to to solve this. I don't know if you can see this uh, on the screen, but she laid out these things for her husband to follow and put little labels in every place on the plate describing what was needed. So four dino nuggets, not three, not five, but but four, Uh, ketchup in that little place uh, there as well, some corn, uh, some leftover rice or beans, so he's got an option, uh, brackets warmed up, and then in the other one, corn and peas, meatballs from the fridge, ketchup again in that little corner. Uh, And it's all laid out really neatly for him. Question, does that woman have two children or three? And as Paul writes these words here to the Hebrew Christians, you can feel his passion, can't you? I don't want to spell it all out piece by piece for you again and again and again. He says, by now you've had so much teaching, you've had so much investment in you, you should be teaching others. And his frustration, but I've got to go over the basics again i wonder in in our lives if we can feel that frustration in ourselves i should know this by now maybe you've heard something or read something or seen something and it's it's rocked your faith and you've thought i'm sure by now i i should feel more secure i should feel stronger or there's been a question that's come up uh, either a literal question from somebody or or just a situation that is really challenging a a place you've never been before and you just think i I don't know what my faith would say. I don't know what God would say about this situation. It's challenged you. Maybe there's been a battle in you, a struggle. We've all got these things that somebody's called signature sins, haven't we? Those things that attach ourselves to us. The enemy of our souls is really clever. And the battle that you face will be designed for you. It will be designed against your weaknesses, your experience, your, uh, your past, anything that he can fire at you. And maybe there's been that sense of a signature sin that's gone on and on and on, and you've battled and battled, and as you stop and look today, you just think, I should not be still worried about this. I should not be still praying about this and reading about this and obsessed with this. I should have moved on by now. And There could be that sense of, of frustration. It was great to hear Yale praying earlier about the government and just the hands that will select the next leader. And of course, we're hearing at the moment all kinds of promises, aren't we? But those of us who've been around a while know what political promises are like. and Things that are said about the economy, Brexit, and all these kind of things, you know, perhaps won't last that long once they're in power and once there's another agenda, another kind of thing running, that they'll have to keep running. And As much as we love to point to others and criticize them for that, we can be just as guilty of coming to places in our lives, of realizing something, of wanting something, of promising something. Sometimes it can be as sharp and as clear as Sunday morning, something crystal clear, God, I, I want to do this, that gets forgotten by the very next day. We're, we're all like it. How, how do we grow in our faith? How do we track where we are and, and how we're growing uh, in, in our faith? It's a question I've been wondering this week as I've been weeding our patio. Uh, at one point, the patio was so bad. I took the lawn mower over the patio and just cut the patio. Well, I had enough of that, and so eventually, I just uh, got down on my hands and knees. It took about two days, and in the blistering hot heat. Oh. Thank you, thank you. Uh, that was pathetic. And um, yeah, just got all the weeds out. And left to themselves, gardeners have a habit of doing that, don't they? Anybody follow no-may? no May? No, no, Mo May was that what it was called? Yeah. Will you just let nature kind of manage your lawn for a while? Well, a nature-managed lawn looks very different, doesn't it? And I wonder how often we think about, how deliberate am I being in my pursuit of Jesus? Or am I just hoping that as I go along, things will change and things will grow? How how deliberate am I being? How intentional am I being? Because things will either grow by default, which is my patio, or they'll grow by design. And design takes work. It takes getting down on your hands and knees with a little tool and scraping it all out. But otherwise, we grow by default. And I don't know if we grow towards maturity by, by default. It's certainly not what's being implied by, by Paul's words here uh, to the church. I love this quote that I came across recently. That Christian maturity is not about how high you jump in praise... I don't know if we had any jumpers this morning, did we? No, there's still time if you need to. Uh, Not about how high you jump in praise, but how straight you walk in obedience. And it's true, isn't it? That passion can peak. There can be moments of discovery and excitement, but maturity is not marked by those moments. Maturity is marked by a passion to walk with Jesus in in a straight line. So we've been thinking over these uh, past couple of weeks about these elementary truths uh, about Jesus. And what I want to do today is to talk about moving on to maturity. Let's just look at these words again from chapter 5, which sets up uh, what Paul says in, in chapter 6. And we have much to say to you about this. Imagine reading these words. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Ouch! In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness. Paul highlights two sort of gross inhibitors. And I want to look at those. I've got two things to say uh, about each one. And I want to allow space for us to really think about these uh, as individuals together uh, today. These words, you no longer try to understand. Paul highlights a real lack of appetite within the church. You don't try to understand. There's, There's not that hunger to know God. Remember those words of of Jesus, some of the most precious words to me in the whole of Scripture. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Is that passion alive and well in you? You know, we can spend our lives wanting to know so much, can't we? And these days with the internet and all kinds of things, you can learn so much, we can become instant experts overnight with a couple of YouTube videos. But how much do I actually want to know Christ? which will mean knowing about him, but will also mean spending time with him. You know, as I look at this week that's just gone by, and as you look at your week just gone by, does it look like somebody who's hungry to know Jesus? If a stranger came and lived with you, is that something they would say? Wow, you're really passionate, aren't you, about knowing Jesus in your life? Because if discipleship, which is what we're all called to do, Jesus never told us to grow churches or to build crowds. He said, make disciples of all nations. It's so important. But the first question is, how can I become like somebody I don't know? I have to spend time with Jesus in order to become like him. Is there that appetite uh, still alive and well in you? you know, as, a, as a parent, I often I get asked by the kids, what, what is there to eat in the kitchen. And I will list off a whole bunch of things that there are in the cupboards. And i just get this. No. no, fruit, no. Bread and butter, no. No, no. We don't keep them in prison, please understand, but sometimes we only want certain things, don't we? We're not really hungry, we're just sort of peckish. I want to say to Everyone today, and I'm preaching to myself, please hear me more than anybody else, a peckish faith will not lead to maturity in Christ. You know sometimes when somebody goes to the kitchen and comes back with some food and you weren't hungry, but when you see what they're having, you go, "Oh, I might just have a little taste of that. Sometimes we can be like that. I might just try a little bit. I'd like to ask all of us today, myself included, is there danger of having a lack of appetite when it comes to following Jesus? Uh, lack of appetite, Paul says here, I, I think in, in two ways. Firstly, for God's word. Uh, he says here, you need milk, not solid food. You need the elementary teachings about Jesus. He, he, he's longing to go deeper, to talk about more, to share more of the story and the history and the passion, the vision, the promise of God. And he says, but you're just not ready for it. You should be but you're not. Is there an appetite for us for God's word? And One thing I think I've learned over the years as a pastor is you cannot separate passion from, for God from passion from God's word. You just, some people have tried it. You cannot do it. Yeah, I wonder how many people recognize uh, this guy. Hands up. You're wondering what on earth that's got to do with what I'm talking about. This, of course, is Harry Hill. Anyone remember this TV show? Say again. You've said it now, so I can say it. It's Harry Hill's TV burp. I'm only saying it because somebody said it. I did say fart once from the pulpit, and I think I nearly killed somebody. But you said it, not me, okay? Harry Hill's TV burp. And Harry Hill would watch TV and then comment on a whole bunch of stuff in the way that he normally does. And what was interesting was after watching loads and loads of episodes of that, you'd end up watching TV thinking, Harry Hill's going to pick up on that. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say about that. And I wonder, as we go through our lives, if there's a hunger to know, I wonder what God thinks about that. We read things in the paper about changes in our culture, changes in our society. What does God think about that? We look at ourselves sometimes with our lives and our challenges. Do you ever stop to ask yourself the question, what does God think about my life? Does God think about the rhythm of it, the health of it, openness of it. God, what do you think? You can't separate a passion from God from a passion from God's word. I wonder how many people recognize this one. This was a painting that was in the news uh, this week. I think it's the head of a peasant lady. I think that's what it's technically called. By? You cultured lot, you. Yes, by Vincent van Gogh. What was interesting was they did an x-ray of this painting, and underneath it, uh, they found an image of Vincent van Gogh, a self-portrait. Now, what was so exciting, if you're into art and if you live in the art world, is that you can see he's got two ears uh, in this painting. So it's quite an early self-portrait of him. And that's the exciting thing when we come to God's Word, is that if we're looking at it right, that behind the story, behind the words, there is a self-portrait something of God's nature, God's ways being revealed. We're told that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for us. All of it. And we read it not just for information or instructions, but we read it for intimacy. Because this is what God wants us to know about himself. There's so many stories he could have told us. I love that bit when John says right at the end of his gospel, I could have carried on. I could have packed this out, but there wouldn't be enough room in all the world for the books that would have to be written. But these are the stories. These are the truths. These are the letters that God wants you to read. This is what he wants you to know about himself. And that's the power of what we hold in our hands. And often goes unopened. Is there an appetite in you? Firstly, for God's word. And I wonder in... The church that Paul's writing to here, if he's discerning as well a lack of an appetite, not just for God's word, but for God's work. And sometimes those things can be linked, can't they? I don't want to know, actually, what God thinks about certain things because that'll challenge me. It'll challenge my life and how I live and what I want and what I do and what I wear, what I spend my time doing, what I spend my my money on. God's word leads to God's work in our lives. And he highlights that saying, you know, when you've had the milk, can you move on to more solid teaching? There's some teaching about righteousness there. And yes, for us who are following Jesus, righteousness is a gift as we've celebrated already at this table. We come to the cross and we exchange our guilty record for Jesus' perfect record. We are given his righteousness. But that does not mean that we live how we want. Paul says this, doesn't he, to one church. I think it's the church in Rome. Should we just go on sinning then so that grace will abound even more? God forbid, he says, that we would do that. You won't get grace if you're not trying to live it, to stay in it, to grow in it. It's like being given a fresh set of clothes and just going out and dirtying them straight away. I wonder how passionate we are about God's work in us. If I was to ask you this morning, and I'm not going to, so don't don't freak out, not this morning... To turn to the person next to you and describe what God's work in you has been over the last six months. I wonder what you'd say. If I was to say to you, what has God been working on in you? What's God been saying to you over the last year of your life? What would you have to share today? Is there that appetite, not just to know God's word, but for God's word to read us and to change us and to grow us? So I want to give you a moment this morning with these two sliders and I want you to ask you the question, and I'm going to ask you it of myself as well. If you had to gauge your appetite today, from naught to ten, from cold to hot, whatever you prefer, white to red, doesn't matter, left to right, where would you place yourself today? How hungry are you for God's word, number one? And you can't really separate them, but it is a separate question. How hungry are you for God's work in your life? Just take a moment. It's unlikely to be one number. Sometimes it's a bit of a scale, isn't it? Because we all fluctuate. But where would you be right now today? It's so challenging, isn't it? but you can't grow maturity by default, only by design. Then Paul goes on to talk about another growth inhibitor, not just a lack of appetite for them, but a lack of application in their lives. Now that final verse of chapter 5, solid food is for the mature, who now get these words, by constant use. We're meant to use God's word, not just read it or know it or quote it or sing it. We're meant to use it, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from, uh, from evil. So there's a lack of application of God's word uh, in their lives, a lack of, of discipline. He talks about people here who have trained themselves. Another uh, word in Greek for trained is gymnaso, from which we get the word It's the word they use to talk about Olympic athletes who trained themselves, who dedicated themselves uh, to running a race. And Paul's talking to the church and it's like he wants to say as clearly as he can, run your faith like you would run a race. Train for it. Prepare for it. Get serious about it. Uh, I think one of the things that I've noticed in, in my own experience is that there can be a real lack of focus at times. That there can be an energy towards growth and discovery and uh, serving and, and stepping out. And those things can be like growth spurts. We're much more like sprinters, aren't we, at times, rather than marathon runners. We can jump high in praise, but can we walk straight in obedience? Train yourself, he says. It's interesting, isn't it, where he puts the emphasis in these words. Those who, by constant use, have not trained others, and we're really good at that, aren't we? We're really good at knowing what other people need to do, what other people need to change. We're really good at listening to sermons and podcasts and thinking, "Ah, if only they'd been here, or I hope they're listening to that bit. We're really good at wanting to train others. How good are we at training ourselves? The voice that you listen to most in your life is your own. So what are you saying to yourself? How are you coaching yourself? What are you calling out of yourself? One of my um, favorite authors is a guy called Oswald Chambers. He's written an incredible book called My Utmost for His Highest. And even the title alone is just beautiful. My Utmost for His Highest. In that he writes, Spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but by obedience to the will of God. It's true, isn't it? We can't just wander in one day, come to faith, trust Jesus, and then just hope that over the years, it's somehow going to wash over us and seep into us. That'll lead to maturity. This is not the passage of time, but it's measured by obedience to the will of God. And this was part of the problem in the church that Paul is writing to. They'd had so much teaching, but they weren't using it. It's like having a bowl of soapy water to wash your hands in and just dipping them in and never really working it in to your life. You know, when we read the scriptures, are we reading it for information or are we reading it for instructions? Are we really asking God, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for how I live, for how I think, and for how I live with others? And he goes on to say this, some people mature into, understand, into an understanding of God's will more quickly than others because they obey more readily they more readily sacrifice the life of nature to the will of God. The life of nature was his way of talking about growing by default, being managed by nature or being managed by God. Is it interesting what he says here. I think it's really, uh, really important. Uh, they, under- they mature more quickly because they obey more readily. I wonder if you were to somehow calculate the speed of your obedience. The speed of knowing something, a principle, a truth about God, and putting that into practice. What the time lag would be between knowing and, and doing. Because as somebody has once said, delayed obedience is actually instant disobedience. And it's true, isn't it? Could you measure the speed of, of, the, of obedience in your life? It's about a sense of discipline, of training ourselves, of feeding ourselves, leading ourselves towards maturity. What's really interesting is the word that we translate into English here is themselves. Actually in the Greek is they are senses. By reading the scriptures, by immersing themselves in a passion for God, for God's work in in us and, and through us, we actually come to see, hear, smell, and feel things Differently. Did I miss one out? See, hear, touch. Did I say that? No, yeah, great. We'll go back and check on the recording. Uh, we start to sense and experience the world differently. Now, there's a challenge for us today. We can get it into our heads sometimes, can't we, what's being said or, or what that might mean? But can we get it into our senses? Until when we see something, we just we come to understand what God would want us to do, what God would feel about it, the world might smell differently We begin to sense what God is doing. There's a lack of, of discipline for this church. There's also a lack of discernment to distinguish between good and evil, to know the right thing, to know the right way. And there's a sense of maturity in that, isn't there, as we get to know more of God's ways, more of God's heart. And so again, I just want to leave you for a moment with these two scales just to score yourself in terms of a lack of uh, application in your life. What difference is God's word and God's work making uh, in you? Is there a hunger for that in terms of our discipline and our discernment? just going to give you a moment to see where you think you might fall on that scale. Like us to take those thoughts and just to bring them before God in, in prayer today. We've been talking over these last few weeks about the elementary teachings about Jesus. One of the most foundational things, the most unique and precious things about Jesus, is that religion is not spelt do with Jesus, but it's spelt done. We trust in what Jesus has done for us, and that outworks itself that compels us, that drives us, that that changes us. The power of grace to change what the law never could. So please don't listen to a message like this and go away beating yourselves up about things you have to do. It's about a shift, a shift in focus. It's about a shift in passion. It's about a shift in priorities. So let's come and pray together today, right? From wherever you are, whatever numbers you've given yourself, whether you've perhaps been generous in some areas and harder in others, whatever that number really is, let's just bring it to God today. Reminded of God's words through the prophet Jeremiah, that picture of a potter sat at a wheel with a lump of clay in his hands. And it's not for me to try and make you into a copy of anyone. It's for God to mold the image of Christ in us. And so, Father God, we just ask you right now, in the presence of your Holy Spirit, through the lens of your word today, what are you wanting to smooth away What are you wanting to shape? God's word tells us that we are his handiwork, his craftsmanship. So, Lord, might we be that clay that rests in the grip of your grace, that allows you, that works with you, that cooperates with your word and with your spirit to be more like Jesus. Lord, we've sung it already today, but we cannot sing it enough. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. So as we pause, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, how are you wanting to lead me? Where are you wanting to take me? Physically, spiritually, emotionally, where where are we headed? To walk away from the old me, to step into the glorious vision of all that is possible now because of the cross and resurrection. Just mindful to say uh, two things at this moment. One is that sometimes it can be an uncomfortable place to be under the spotlight. But that God is a physician. And that anything that He is highlighting, He's, he's highlighting in order to help you through, not to make you feel more guilty or more small or more broken than we already feel. and that if we'll listen intently transformation is possible healing is possible no matter how many times we've asked no matter how many times we've sought no matter how helpless or hopeless we feel transformation is possible and it might help you today just to tell someone It's to speak to somebody that knows you, loves you, you've come to trust what it is that you're hoping and longing and stepping into for God so they can support you and stand with you, pray with you. If anyone wants to pray today after the service, please do grab one of us, we'd love to do that.